I want you to think about something here. I want you to go to the book of Ezekiel in chapter um, 22. I changed things around so I had to look real quick. <laughs> when we read this, it's going to be a passage that you guys have seen a gazillion times. So our temptation is to gloss over it or to not register really what's being said. But I want to take a second and focus closely on what is being said here. And let me see which verse I want to start. Let's go with uh, verse 24. Verse 24 of Ezekiel 22. And I want to give you a second to get there, and I want you to absorb what's being said here. And I want you to relate it to where we're living today in the country we're in, in the world situation that we're dealing with, exactly where we're at. Uh, Ezekiel 22, are you there? Yes. Verse 24, and it says, The Son of Man say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor reigneth upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made their many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from the Sabbaths and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get honest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy, yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Now, I want you to look at this verse. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge, stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. Father, I just ask that you'll give me your anointing today and your direction. Help me, Lord, to express to your people what you desire, not what I desire. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a powerful statement made in verse 30 there. He, he lays a framework and he says basically that the temple is defiled, the priests are are lying and they're divining false things. The people are unclean. They're operating in oppression and all that stuff. But then he comes down and he says, and I sought for a man to stand in the gap to make up that hedge and I found none. So because of that, I destroyed them. And as I look at that in relation to America, and I'm not going to get into all the similarities between the beginning of what I read there, because, you know, I've done that many times, um, and there are a lot of similarities, but I want to go a different angle. Why are we here as a country today? I believe very strongly that we're here today because there have been people that have made up the hedge and filled in that gap. They have stood in that gap. 
they have prayed uh, that, that prayer that, that, that's intercessory. They've stood in that position and, and saved, literally saved the country. It, it wasn't the military that saved America time and time again. I believe it was praying people standing in that gap, making up that hedge that has saved the United States time after time after time. And so I want to talk about that prayer. See, we pray all the time. We pray for people. We pray for, uh, you know, the, the car's acting up, so we pray that God will help us to come up with the money to fix it or heal the car. God ever heal your car? God healed our car several times. Just healed it. Boom. It's like, wow, that's awesome. Uh, God, you know, things will go wrong in the family, and we pray. Our kids are going crazy, we pray for them, and, and such like that. But there's something that's a little bit different in, in intercessory prayer. It's not the same as just praying for somebody. And Philip Yancey said in one of his books, he was talking about the story of a, a young soldier in Iraq. And when he was in Iraq uh, during his tour, he got no- notification that his wife had been uh, diagnosed with stage 4 cervical cancer. And his response was to write a letter to the church and everybody he knew and all the churches in his town and say, pray for her and when you're done praying, send it to somebody else to pray for. And he went over the internet as well and said, just, just pray for her and hit send and, and go to the next one. And he, and he did this, this, this idea that the more that you reach, the more you can, the more power there is or more likelihood that, that the person's going to be healed or saved or whatever. And I've told you before, prayer is the one thing. I don't get. I don't understand it. Prayer is strange to me. I don't there's a lot of things about prayer that make my brain kind of explode. I don't get it. I mean, when if this side is praying for rain and this side is praying for sun, which one wins? Is is it the one that has the most people? I you know, I and and like Yancey says, what is prayer? A pyramid scheme that that you have to have a the more people you have, the more likely there is the, to be an answer and there's a lot about prayer I don't understand. I don't get it, but I do understand that there's power in prayer. And I do understand that God wants his people to pray and that there's there's a reason to pray. But there's a difference between praying for somebody and interceding for somebody. All intercession involves prayer, but not all prayer is necessarily intercessory. Intercessory means, uh, there's a specific meaning in the, in the Latin, it's a Latin word that basically means standing in between, or being that buffer in a sense. It's, uh, I, I'm reminded of those times, you know, when we're kids and we, uh, we get in trouble and one parent is about to whoop us really good, and the other one is kind of saying, hey, calm down, let's think about this here, you know, and they're kind of playing that buffer. <laughs> they're saying, hey, no, hold off, uh, you need to consider something. It's that, it's that buffer place, it's that place where somebody puts themselves between the judge and the one being judged. And that's what God is talking about in Scripture when He says, I looked for a man to stand in that gap. Somebody who would stand there and say, don't do it. Here's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that position. Well, has that ever happened in Scripture? Yeah, we see that with Moses. And when Moses was, and you know the story, Moses is on the mountain and he's up there for a long time. A lot of people think Moses went up there, spent a little while and came back down. But he spent a long time on the mountain talking to God. 
He told the children of Israel, you stay here and wait. I'll be up there. He goes up in the mountain. And at one point, even during one, one, one thing, when he was talking to God over just one specific um, just instructions on the temple or on the tabernacle, he spent 40 days up there just on that point. He was there for a long time. And so while he's up there, Israel is down below. And you can almost imagine... He's gone. He's been gone for like a month and a half. And where is he? Maybe he's never coming back. And Israel literally started to lose hope. They started losing faith. They thought their man of God was gone. And he may never be coming back. And they started to lose faith in God and his provision and what God's plan was. And so what did they do? When they start losing faith, they have to fill it somehow. So they go to the priest, Aaron. And they say, hey... Why don't you build us something that we can consider a representation of God? You build us something, we'll bring all of our stuff, and you just build us something. So he builds them an idol, and they begin to worship in that idol, uh, or worship that idol. And you know how it is, as soon as you do that, it's kind of like a TV show. Whenever somebody's doing something wrong, that's when somebody walks in. That's how it was. They're down there dancing, they're partying, they're having a great time around the idol, and Moses comes back down the mountain, and he is not a happy camper. He had already received the, 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 the commandments on the tablets. He thrashes them against the rocks and shatters them. And he looks at the people and he says, Any one of you who is going to worship and serve God right now, you come with me. And a bunch of them came and surrounded him. And then the children of Levi were, were ordered to wipe out the rest. And 3,000 people were slaughtered. It was a serious time. And then God was angry. God was Furious. Ezekiel or Exodus 32 30 says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I go up to the Lord, peradventure I make atonement for you. What did he say? You guys have messed up. What you did was wrong. Now I'm going to go up on the mountain and I'm going to try to appease God in a sense or make atonement for what you did. I'm going to try to stand in the gap. I'm going to do what I need to do because of what you did. God had a special man in Moses. This guy was something special. I, I, I love Moses. He was, he was a guy who knew how to get it done. So he goes up the mountain and he meets before God. So what's the reason for intercessory prayer? Typical prayer is, is looking for my will. God, uh, fix my car. God, uh, help me get a new job. God, do this. God, do that. But intercessory prayer is not looking for what I want. Intercessory prayer is looking for the will of God. God, what do you want? What do you desire? We see that in, the, in, in well, let me back up. This intercessory prayer is focused on bringing a person into right fellowship with God. It is not about getting something answered so much as about bringing people into right relationship, right fellowship with God. Are you with me? Don't go to sleep on me now. I think this is important. I believe that we live in a time where intercessory prayer is vitally important. And so, God, we see that in, in John 17 where Jesus is praying. And I, wanna, I wasn't going to turn there, but let's go ahead and go to John 17 real quick. Because I want you to look at what Jesus is doing here. This is such a great passage. Let me see where I want to start here. Let's go down to verse uh, verse 9. 
and it says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Father, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. Bring, make sure there's fellowship. Hold that fellowship with these, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee. And these things I speak into the world, that they may have joy, my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Jesus is praying an intercessory prayer. Take them, and, and I want to be that buffer. I'm going to be that buffer between them and the world. Keep them. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil of the world. Through Him, through Christ. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through Thy word, truth. Thy word is truth. And Thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me, that they all may be one, as Thou, Father, art in me, and I in Thee, Thou that they may also be in us, that the, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou hast gave, given me, I give unto, I've given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, thou in me, and they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. When Jesus is trying to, he's praying for the Father, praying the Father, he's not asking, for their health, he's not asking for their prosperity, he's not asking for protection for them, he's not asking for blessing for them, he's asking, God, let them be in fellowship with you. That is a vital, important prayer. We pray so often, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, that we pray, God bless America, God preserve America, do all these things, but the most important thing we can do is stand in the gap and say, God, bring fellowship back to the United States. Bring America back to that point of relationship with you. It, it's so much more important that America knows the Lord God Almighty than it is for America to be financially blessed or powerful or or whatever. We need a nation that knows God more than we need a nation that has big bank accounts. We vastly need God in, in our nation once again. One theologian said, we are all quick to jump into prayer with our own strong ideas of what should happen and pray for that result. But the truth is that when we enter into intercession for another person, we are seeking for God's will to be accomplished in their lives and that, they, that He will draw them to a close and useful relationship with Him. Nothing is more important. We, we pray for our children. God, you know, help them when that messed up marriage they're in or their health or, you know, their child has a problem or whatever. But the most important thing we can pray is that God have relationship with our child. Have that closeness. Draw our child to know you in the, in the true pardon of sin. To know Almighty God. 
And then Ezekiel, I keep seeing Ezekiel, Exodus 32, 9 and 10, it says, The Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, leave me alone, Moses, that, I, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make thee a great nation. God has put Moses in a spot. And he's saying, this is an evil people. They are ungodly. They, they, they rebel against me. They defile me. Now step aside, young man, because I'm going to wipe them out. And then I'll take care of you. Moses faced a couple of possibilities there. Number one, God was going to uh, wipe out Israel completely, or God was going to replace Israel. I mean, at the least, one of those two things was going to happen. It sounds like he was going to just wipe them off the face of the earth, clean them out. Moses wasn't willing to accept that. He wasn't okay to, for that at all. He didn't go for that. And so he says in verse 32, it says, now, Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, he says, that Now if thou wilt, forgive their sin. And if not, Moses says, Blot me out. Clean me out. Take me out. I pray thee out of thy book that thou hast written. That is intercession. That's when Moses stepped between an angry God and a sinful people. And he said, I am your representative. I am the man of God. I'm the one you sent here. I'm the one you anointed to be here. And I am standing in between. And I don't want, you're not going to get to them unless you come through me first. Because Moses stood before God and those people. Those sinful, vile, wretched people. That's intercession. That's getting in between there and saying, God, I'm just not willing to, for this to happen. I'm not okay with this going this direction. And so if you're going to put do it to them, I want you to take me out too. God said, I'm not going to do that. If you go on down, it says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to judge the ones that, that sin against me. You're not one of them. But God honored the intercession. And Israel was not wiped out. God honored that. David even sang a song about it in Psalm 106. It says, They forgot their God, their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. That's intercession. I believe we have family members that need intercessory prayer warriors. I believe our country needs intercessory prayer warriors. I believe the church needs intercessory prayer warriors. The church world in a whole needs intercessory prayer warriors. Those that will stand in there and say, God, I'm standing in this breach. I'm filling this hole. I'm praying for these. <clears throat> so what did God do? Did he change his mind? The Bible tells us, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and, and he not do it? Did God just change his mind? You know what's great about God? He knows what's going to happen. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows what's going to play out. And a lot of theologians have fought and argued and gone all around about that particular subject there. Did, did, God, did Moses actually change God's mind? I'm not going to get into that a whole lot, but i say what one, one writer said. I liked it. said, this word denotes a change in the actions of God as a result of a significant change among those whom God is dealing with. When there's a change of heart, things change. 
when, when, when a, a person's heart changes towards him, God's reaction towards that person changes as well. What about Jonah? Talk about a change of heart. God said, I want you to do this. He said, I'm not going. God said, I've already got a fish prepared for you, so go ahead and try to defy me. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to stay in the inside of a fish for a few days. That would be awful. And then when God spits him up on the land, he said, maybe I ought to do what I was supposed to do. Maybe I ought to go ahead and do what I was told. (laughs) Prayer is a dilemma. Prayer doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. But it's powerful. And it's works. And it's anointed. And maybe it's just because God wants to hear from us. I don't know the dynamics of prayer. I don't get it. Uh, You know, the... It goes back to that thing, uh, we want to get everybody we can praying. Is there a number? You're not getting it when there's 11 praying, but if you get 12 praying, then I'll do it. I, I don't understand prayer. I'll be honest with you. I don't get it. I don't even understand. Well, this one has this much faith. and this. There's two of these, but they have less faith. So which one do I? I, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't get it. But one thing I do know is that there are some blessings that God will give only if we ask for it. There are some blessings we only get if we ask for it. I do know that there are other blessings that God will give us and le- that God won't give us unless our hearts are right. I know that there are some trials that God will not deliver us from until we've learned our lesson. There are some things that we're going to be in. We can pray all we want to, but we're going to be in it. Sometimes it's just the will of God. Here you got a, a man like, like the Apostle Paul, powerful in word and deed, wrote two-thirds of what we have as a New Testament today. A man who changed the world literally for the, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet he has this thorn in the flesh. I don't know what it was. Some people think it was his eyes. Some th- people think it was a uh, different thing. I personally think it was that woman that followed him around and bugged him. I, but I don't know what it is. But this one thing I do know, he kept praying, God, take this thing away from me. God said, no, because you need it, because my grace is going to be sufficient for you. You're fine. You're all right. You need this. So I don't understand prayer. You pray the the prayer of faith, and you pray in faith, and that thing's still there. I, I, I don't get it. But I know that prayer is powerful. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 says, For this cause we also... Since we first heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being faithful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience, long suffering with joyfulness. Paul was praying an intercessory prayer right there. He said... He was saying, pray that I'll know God's will, that they would know God's will for their lives in verse 9. He says, filled with the knowledge of his his will. He was praying that they would be, that they would know and understand God's will. That's a good thing. Most people, if I asked, do you know the, are you sure of God's will in your life? They would be like, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't really know. It's important to know God's will. It's important to know the will of Almighty God. He also said, Prayed that they will be productive. In verse 10, it says, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful. Fruitful in what we do. Productive in what we do. We, 
<laughs> if we're not careful, just beat the wind. We're not getting anything accomplished for the kingdom of God because of, 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 sometimes we're just doing the wrong thing. God has called us to do this, but we're busy doing that. We're direct, misdirected. We're, we're distracted. He also prayed that they would grow in relationship in verse 10. He prayed that they will have God's power in their lives. Paul was not praying for any temporal thing there. He wasn't praying for them to have more money or a better house or, you know, be happier or more blessed or any of that. He was praying those intercessory things. God, I want them to be in relationship with you the way they should be. I believe we should pray for our children that way. God, I want them to be filled with your spirit. I want them to be in your presence. I want them to know you. I want them to be strong in the Lord. The other things, you know, their finances and all the other messes that our kids make, those are secondary. The main thing, God, I want them to know you. I want them to be saved and filled with your your presence. I want them to be in relationship with you. This is what I want to tell you about prayer. I don't think there's any good prayer and bad prayer. I think you pray. And you do it in, in, in faith and you do it as you know how. You might not be eloquent. You may not, you know, you may fall all over yourself as you're talking. And I, I, I've always been kind of one that believes that, that, that words kind of get in the way of prayer sometimes. I mean, we, we speak words uh, when we pray, but it's the spirit of man that is connecting with the Spirit of God in a prayer-type sense. And so words are secondary. And some people get so bothered because they say, I'm not very eloquent. I don't sound really good when I pray. I don't have nice things to say. You ever fall asleep when you're praying? (laughs) You ever just get totally distracted and forget you were praying? (laughs) that... And I, and I heard Loran Livingston preach on this one time, and it helped me a lot. He said, you know what? I don't even worry about it when I'm praying anymore. He said, I'll get down and pray, and pretty soon I'm off somewhere daydreaming about something else. He said, you know, I don't even worry about that anymore. Because when I realize that I just come back to prayer again, and I'm there, and, and then I get distracted and go somewhere else, and he said, I just, it doesn't, he said, it used to make me feel so guilty. I felt so guilty because I'm supposed to be praying and yet I'm daydreaming or I'm thinking about something I'm supposed to be doing. He said, you know what? I quit worrying about that because I just come back to prayer when I realize where I'm at. And I don't feel guilty and I don't feel down and I'm not beating myself up about it. He said, I've fallen asleep in prayer, woke up a half hour later and just started praying again. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. The devil likes to beat us up in our prayer life. You don't pray good enough. Let me tell you something. A parent who has a child who has a learning disability loves to hear from that child just as much as a child that doesn't have a learning disability, right? A parent who has a child who, who, uh, who may have a lisp, that, chi- that parent loves to hear from that child just as much as a child that doesn't have a lisp. It doesn't matter how good you are. You might have a genius child not understand half of what the kid's saying. You still want to hear from them. I've known people that talk about that. It's like, I don't even know what he's saying. He's like 12. I don't know what he's talking about. It doesn't matter. You still want to hear from your kid. God wants to hear from us, whether we're good at talking or bad at talking. Whether we're eloquent or not eloquent, it doesn't matter. The good prayer is not in the mechanics of it. You don't build a good prayer. 
A good prayer is simply connecting with God. I have prayed sometimes where I just sat down and didn't say a word. And I just, I don't know, just commune with God. Don't say a thing, just, just commune with God. And that's what it is. It's a connection with God. You ever do that with your spouse? You just sit down, you don't say a word? Just hold hands or you just, you know, I don't know, feed each other Cheetos? I don't know what you do. <laughs> it doesn't take words. It takes connection. It, it takes that, that closeness and that, uh, I don't know, that, that, that relationship. That's what prayer is about. We have turned it into fancy words. And it shouldn't be that way. I want us to learn as a people to pray intercessory prayer. Our nation desperately needs intercessors. I've said this before. This is my belief. I can't take you to scripture about it. I believe that in 2016, praying people stopped our nation from a catastrophe. I believe that very sincerely. I believe that praying people saved our country. I believe that we need it again because she's on another (laughs) collision course. And if something doesn't happen, she's going to crash. We need praying people in our nation. Our kids need praying parents that will intercede for them. I know your kids probably make all the right decisions all the time, but mine don't. (laughs) I'm sure glad I wasn't that dumb when I was that age. (laughs) Yeah, our kids need. I believe that I'm saved today and standing up here today because I had a praying grandma. I did not have a praying dad. I did not have a praying mom. I did not have (laughs) praying family members other than a grandma and an aunt. And they prayed for me. I believe that I'm here today because they interceded for me. They stood in the gap for me. And I'm serving God today because of them. And I believe that strongly. Our children need intercessors. Our church needs intercessors. This is a church that believes in Almighty God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So because of that, you can rest assured the devil's going to hit it every way he can. And he does. He does. We need intercessors for the, prayer, for the church. And we need intercessory prayers. It's desperate to have that. Do you believe that? Let's stand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I hold up to you this body of believers. Every one of us is burdened in our heart for a nation that is on a stupid course, to be honest, Lord. It's just, it's like if it's the stupidest thing they can do, that's the direction they want to go. God, we hold up to you the United States of America again. We hold her up to you, God, and we stand there and say, and, we, and say, God, don't destroy her. Don't, don't wipe her out. Don't judge her in the way that she so desperately needs to, and deserves to be judged. But God, we hold up to you this country once again and we pray for her, Lord, that you will raise up men and women of God who proclaim the truth. That you will soften the hearts of the people and turn them to you, Lord. I pray, God, that you will anoint the churches across this land to once again proclaim the truth of the gospel. Those that have already been standing on truth, 
embolden them to go stronger than they ever have. Those that have become apostate and turned away, God, I pray that you will turn them back to you. Lord, bring them back in relationship. I pray for family members in this body right here. We have children. We have nieces, nephews. We even have parents who are foolishly rejecting you. And Lord, I just pray for them right now that you will draw them to you. Lord, I pray that you'll bring them into into fellowship once again to you, Father. I just ask God that those whose minds are blinded, I pray, God, that you will open their eyes and let them see the truth. And draw them to you, Father. I don't care if they're working somewhere, if they're in in high school or junior high or college. I don't care, Lord, where they're at. I pray, God, that you will draw them into fellowship with you once again. I pray, Father. I pray, God, that you'll appease your hand of judgment. And, Lord, give them that grace to bring them in, Father. I just pray, God, that you'll do that. I pray for this church as... As a, Lord, this is a, a, a special body of believers. I've always believed that. God, I pray, Father, as the devil tries to bring division and destruction, as he always does in every church, let his hand be, be pushed aside. Let his plan, his will be pushed aside. Lord, I pray that you'll bring this body of believers into fellowship with you more than they've ever experienced before. Draw us into your presence, Lord, into relationship deeper than we've ever known. I pray, God, that this, this body of believers will become an impenetrable wall of intercession for this town, for this area, Lord. Use us as we so are so needed in this area, Lord. You desperately need a place that proclaims your gospel and takes the love of God around. Lord, I pray that we will be that body here, that we will be those people. Lord, help us in our failings, in our shortcomings. Lord, help me, I pray, as the pastor. And there's so many decisions that I have to make, and when I make it, half the people are mad. If I make the other decision, the other half of the people are mad. God, I pray that you will help Give me wisdom and direction, and Lord, boldly bind us together in Jesus' name. I thank you and I praise you. Hallelujah. Let your blessings be upon them, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.